0: Hey guys, thank you for checking out Bucked Up. Just before we start, I would love if you'd hit the subscribe button, like, share the video. We have new episodes coming out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And starting in the new year, check out Wrapped Up exclusively on Vivo. This episode is sponsored by Exotic Roots Hydro, which... I have to give a huge shout-out to. They are a huge supporter of the podcast, and I'm really happy to be working with them. If you're ever in Rochester, New York, and you need to learn about any of your hydroponic needs, go to their shop. You can follow them at Exotic Roots Hydro on Instagram. Shout-out their whole team. They have an amazing venue space. Uh, They're going to be putting on tons of events. Just make sure to follow Exotic Roots Hydro on Instagram, and if you're ever in rochester definitely stop by let's get back into it
1: it was at this moment that he knew he, up. Now he fucked up nay fucked up now he fucked up now he fucked up, now he fucked, up. Now he fucked up now you have fucked up my brother turned me on the dower candy i don't know probably almost 10 years ago for christmas he got me dower candy on on record uh, and that's how i found out about about woods and and of course and hammer is just like that's my group that's my jam
0: <laughs> they're Those amazing guys are,
1: they're brilliant yeah they're just well really i brilliant.
0: feel like an idiot because i've been a fan of you in future islands for so long and then of course you put out an, uh, the album with kenny the same years of uh, billy woods did and so yeah. <laughs> i listened to your album and it took me years to realize you were the same person like i felt that's like, great that's how i <laughs> want it to
1: be It was really
0: funny because it's that's why, like, I don't get totally nervous before these interviews, but I was nervous to talk to you because, like, I'm a huge fan of you in many aspects.
1: Cool. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, yeah. That it's funny with the Kenny Siegel record, you know, that's it's weird to drop like your debut rap album at thirty (laughs) five. And uh, and I think for, you know, that's like an ongoing thing for me and kind of why I keep like Hemlock Ernst is, it's not really a secret, but I don't, I don't really promote it because I kind of, uh, I mean, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that know me within music or know my name, Samuel T. Herring, it's, they know me as a singer of Future Islands or or uh, for some features here and there, but, but uh, it, but, you know, I, I started, I started rap when I was 14. That's like what got me into writing. It's what got me into poetry or I kind of was getting into poetry and, and hip hop at the same time, uh at 14 and in like this. I'm in my parents' house right now. So I'm just like
0: I'm in my dad's well, house like, right now. <laughs> okay.
1: That's what's uh, <laughs> the parents edition uh exactly. of bugged up. No, it's like uh yeah, so I'm just like flooded with all of that's why I'm like I feel groggy. It's eleven o'clock and I'm like oh god the fucking memories man <laughs> i
0: feel the exact same way and yeah. i got my booster yesterday so i was worried oh I was shit feel yeah. shitty today but no it was great i um it's funny that i am in my dad's house right now because i went to go see you and you guys in boston with him and, oh, oh, cool. Um, yeah and we got way too high off edibles and we were like right in the front And that's why I wanted to have you on. And I reached out to you in the first place, because your performance was literally one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen. Like you go somewhere. That's why I needed to add. I just need to ask you, like, where do you go when you perform? Like,
1: (laughs) I mean, you know, it is like, uh, you know, I've uh, done a million interviews and they say, you know, how, how do you perform so passionately? And it's just like, it's really simple. I think it all starts with when in the writing process. You know, if you're if you're writing words that are really uh, that are really personal to you, that uh, are coming from a place of of pain or passion uh, or just just of great feeling or of great thought, like digging into yourself. When you when you begin to excavate that again on stage in front of people, you know, it's it's kind of a it's a process of of uh, vulnerability. Just like cracking into oneself. But I mean, it's also about going to that place. I think, I think as as a performer, um, I am trying to, you know, from, from the early days, it was really about trying to go back into these really painful places, which seems fine at the time. And you know, when you're writing a song, first off, because you're going through some fresh cuts, you're it's easy to bring that out really raw on stage. And then you kind of, you know, you 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 kind of work through things in a therapeutic way with the audience you know the audience is almost like your your therapist hitting you up oh what are you doing um and then uh and then i'm sorry man i just had a i gotta mute my phone um so anyways yeah the audience is the audience is kind of watching you you're going through it with them you know you're you're giving you're giving them a large piece of yourself but then i feel like over time you know you don't you know when you're five six years past the song um, and you're, you're digging into this place that <laughs> you don't really want to go to again. You know, your, your anger is different. Maybe you're not angry anymore. Your sadness is different. Maybe you, you found peace in that place. Uh, it's, it, it's a very different kind of process of like digging into that and, and choosing what you want to share and, or the songs change. Like we have an old song called long flight, which is about, you know, uh, Leaving away on our first U.S. tour, uh, and we were gone for four months. And then somewhere in the middle, like me and my partner, kind of split up, just because I was I was gone for two months. um Then we saw each other for a few days in between, and then I was gone for another two months. And then when I got back, we were—I didn't realize it, but the relationship was done. I was like, "Cool, so we're just gonna—it's just normal now, right?" It's like, yeah. "No, dude, what the fuck? I broke up with you like two months ago." Like, what? What? <laughs> So anyways, like, but you know that, so that then long flight is written about this process of kind of like going off to, to chase a dream and realizing that you lost everything that was kind of holding you down in the process. You know, you're like, well, I have all this shit in order. So now I can go, cause you know, sometimes we, sometimes those people in our lives really help us. They give us the support or they give us the, the power and confidence to go on. And then we lose them in the process. I'm kind of, I'm going through that a little bit right now. Um, and uh in a, a surprise breakup the, the corona corona breakups man this watch out man, that I'm shit spread into nana hey man it's this life just like figuring it out figuring it out as i go um but uh you know it's it's that song long flight which is about this one person you know 5 years later i'm going through a similar situation with another person and i'm like you know and then and then i'm singing the same song but the song isn't about this other person and and uh and then and then you're so you're and then you're like why the fuck is my life like a terrible cycle pattern where it just like (laughs) these songs but i mean that's the point you know it's kind of that's that's my goal in writing those songs is you know because even when you share something very personal it is still universal because we all we live in the same universe, like we all experience very similar things. So, so I can, I can tell something very, uh, very personal about the way that, you know, the way we sat across the table and passed a napkin back and forth, writing words, you know, drawing back and forth. And, and it's very personal to me, but there's like a hundred motherfuckers out there that are just going to be like, how did you look inside my mind and uh, see through (laughs) my eyes? And it's like, well, that's, you know, it's our universal experience. Um, And, uh, and yeah, but, you know, so what I'm trying to say is like, you know, if you, if you're writing those songs with, with that kind of uh, with the respect to your, to your craft, to yourself um, and, and to your world, I think eventually, it, it just comes out on stage in that passionate way it's easy to reach out to people but also i mean i can also give myself props i'm just kind of like a badass on stage too so. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a rapper on stage
0: honestly like when i saw yeah, you perform yeah, totally. a few trials you have it's um it's funny because this podcast was started because of a breakup and oh, okay um, and well. it, at the beginning of quarantine and it it took off and it's funny that it's not funny but the um the energy you can use and put into something else is so important, but then the muse yeah. becomes painful. Like as a stand-up comedian, my whole thing is I want to tell something very personal to an audience and have them laugh and understand what I'm trying to go through. But then it's yeah. kind of like when people think it's oh just a silly joke, it's like, no, this is an actual like the muse came from a painful place. So I, I do understand what you're saying when you say that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing that I, I've, I'm a huge fan of stand up comedy since a kid. And, uh, and it's one of those things because I think, I think, you know, and maybe it's a grass is always greener thing, but I think in any of the, in any of the performing arts, you know, whatever you are, you wish that you were like doing something else or you respect something else more like, like to me, I, I respect up comedians, uh, probably more than anything because it is so it's so naked you know it's so naked and it's also like i don't do i haven't done a i haven't done a hemlock set since probably 2012 or 2013 um and that's because i just didn't enjoy that kind of naked process um i only did a couple shows where i I was backed up by a dj you know usually it was just me pushing play on my you know setting up the my computer on stage and and push and play for songs but but I missed that camaraderie or just maybe it was just the power and confidence that you know having your friends on stage with you you know but I did a couple shows with Kenny DJing and I did a show I did one show with Madlib DJing which was bonkers this is one of the craziest uh experiences I've ever had and uh and yeah you know that that definitely gave me more of the what I'm used to in a in a live performance which is just that you know, because because for me, why do you think you know you feel I mean,
0: more why do you think you feel more naked performing rap than you do like when you're on stage
1: really tapping into that place? Uh, because I'm a white rapper and that's not you know, like let's be honest. Yeah. You know, that's that's like a thing, that's a thing of uh of just feeling, you know, I, I mean so much of my art is, is based on uh those ideas of how we judge people, uh, based on uh, what they look like, you know, you're and, and I get I got a lot of shit coming into the spotlight with uh, like, the Letterman performance, which brought us to a lot of people's minds, like the first time they experienced us. And then so I'm dealing with the really, you know, as a motherfucker, that's in my head. I'm not reading all the good comments. I'm like, just focusing on the people that are really focused on how I look. But that that's kind of the thing, you know, it's like, uh oh, okay. So I'm I'm like, you see me as a middle-aged bald guy who's chubby, and how am I allowed to do this? I mean, that's that's the question. Like, like it does not, it's like you know, this hurts my brain because how can this guy do this? And then it's kind of like, Well, that's the fucking point. It's like no, I, get I, can, that. I can I can I can do this because this is I mean, this is literally who I am, and I, I think we judge people a lot. I think a lot of people don't take chances because they feel like they don't fit the bill. For those chances um and, and that's like a part rapping of rapping
0: since you were 14 like that is who you are i feel that way
1: yeah exactly i mean that's, I feel the, that's that way thing. when
0: this like my podcast just recently kind of got somewhat of a, a push like a good amount mm-hmm. of views and a lot of people are like why is this nerdy white kid i mean i'm 24 years old and balding I, i'm like why yeah, that- <laughs> why why is he why is he getting these interviews or why is he being able to be put in these situations, not knowing who I
1: am or like even listening to what I'm trying yeah. to say.
0: Well,
1: it's also because you're grinding. And I mean, that's the, that's the big, that's the big goal of like the key to so much of this. And I think a lot of the people, you know, checking out, checking out your podcast, so many people you're talking about are talking to are just people that are grinding, you know, you have to, you have to put in work to, to not only get an opportunity, I mean, of course, there are people that get opportunities that (laughs) have put in money. Uh, But a lot of people, you know, if if you put in the work and you get the opportunity, the the work shows, you know what I mean? Uh, The the work, like my, I had a teacher, I had a teacher years ago that was extremely influential to me when I was 17. And, uh, you know, they they just told me, you know, you can fool the fans, but you can't fool the players. You know, it's kind of like, It's like, you have to do the work if you really want to do something and you might be able to make a buck, but you aren't going to, you're not going to create the kind of impact that you can and get the respect from the people. I think to me is so much, you know, I, I have always done this for respect. And so much of that comes from just, you know, KRS-One is my teacher, you know, it's just like, I'd rather be broke and have a whole lot of respect. That's like, that to me is the thing that is probably more of an inward. Uh, you know, as a child, that's like some six, seven year old shit that I'm still working through. Um, but it's very much like I, I want to be accepted and respected for what I do and how hard I do it. And, and you know, it's point you just can't you can't do it the same physically, like so much of my presence on stage. Um, well, maybe I give too much credit, it, but it is the physical aspect but yeah. I think there's still, there, there's a lot of things like, and in, in through hip hop, uh, through rap, uh, it, it allows me a very different avenue of exploring my, uh, my thoughts and feelings in a much deeper way than a pop format does, than a rock format does. You know, to, it's, it's hard to write a good rock song um, that you get, you, know, you get eight to 12 lines and a chorus and you got to put a bunch in there. Um, and in a, you know, in a hip hop verse, you can just sprawl out for, for days and really go into things. And, you know, they're very, they're very different processes. Um, but it's all, yeah, it's all about, it's all about just kind of, uh, wanting to be seen. I mean, really to get, to get to like the root of it, it's about trying to tell a personal story. And, and I mean, for in, in the future islands world, that's kind of, that's that's where that MC comes into play. And I thought it was interesting you said that because I think when when I did that single with Mad Lib a few years ago, you know, there were some press and interviews I had to do, and people are like, How does that come into play? Like, I don't see, I don't see it. Like, I don't see hip hop influence in Future Islands. And it's like literally. I just talk about my personal struggles, you know, like, luckily, my band, my bandmates are amazing. And let me just like cry over their music or whatever. (laughs) Or just like, you know, tear myself apart through this. But that kind of, to me that that uh, speaking about personal struggle in a very personal way, but like, feeling strong in it is like what hip hop taught me about as a kid, you know, and it gave me, it gave me a kind of a a certain kind of armor against the world when I was really young uh, and trying to be, trying to get some uh, sense of self and sense of identity. Cause you know, I'm from, I'm from small town, North Carolina, you know, I'm from a tiny place. There's not, there's, there's n- there's no kind of culture uh, that really speaks to, you know, there's no record stores. There's no like yeah. show spaces, you know, there, there is no way to get to it. So like getting into underground hip hop, uh, at a young age was it made me an outlier you know what I mean um and so, feel, and so that's I part of the same way That's part of identity too
0: yeah lo- have you been have you been grinding nonstop? stop like have you been grinding nonstop stop since I don't know have you been able to take a break
1: yeah I mean you know uh I mean I feel like I've been on break for a little while now i mean you know the last couple of years have been so ridiculous just not not being able to do anything As future islands is a touring band um we're coming up on almost 1300 shows as a band we're at like 12 around twelve seventy now that's insane um yeah and, congratulations. and you know and that <laughs> yeah f- <laughs> still i can still walk congratulations <laughs> i still have a voice uh but yes yeah, so, i mean you know, Future Islands had years 2008 to 2012. Those five years we did, we averaged like 150 shows a year. And that was really us coming from a band that was, you know, 2008 to 2009. We're just like playing for peanuts around the country. Um, You know, those kinds of tours where you just make 50 bucks a night to to split up amongst the band, you know, like you're not splitting money, you're just you're going, you're setting up, you're playing a show, you're getting 40, 50 bucks, you put it into the gas tank, you everybody gets a subway five foot. You know, sorry, sorry, there's no, no buzz uh, marketing on the show. Five dollars. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just like, could I just put everything you have in that foot long roll for $5? And you just like eat a soggy mess twice a day? They're just like, I'll eat the first half of my soggy mess around two, and then I'll eat my second soggy mess and uh, just like that, that kind of shit. So, so yeah, I mean, those years, you know, starting out um, the first couple years, just slowly just making some impact, staying on the road. You know, when you, when you come around to cities every three or four. Months and you you get posters put up. If you can get somebody to put up posters for a DIY show, then your posters kind of never really come down, and your your like Future Islands just kind of lives in some like coffee shop bathroom or like on uh you know on telephone poles for a year. And and if you just keep going, they're just there. So you just yeah. kind of become a part of you become a part of people's kind of uh, psychic uh, mind, their subconscious mind. And then I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that uh. I mean, so, so basically, yeah, we did that five years. Then we took a break in 2013 to write, uh, our album, our fourth album singles. And then we had kind of, a. but you know, by that point, by the end of 2012, you know, I made what my parents make a year. You know what I mean? Like playing 150 shows, being drunk with my friends, sleeping on people's floors. I mean, it wasn't like I was, I had any expenses. I was just other than putting gas in the van and stuff. I and mean, we were, we were just driving ourselves around. Um, You know, the reason I ask about the grind is because like you said, you
0: noticed that in me and I noticed that in you and the amount of work and different things you do. And it is for recognition, but then it's hard to find that like peace and happiness.
1: Yeah, well, that's I mean, unfortunately, that's a thing that is not ever external. I mean, that's the hard that's that's the hard lesson that I've learned through time is that Peace and happiness doesn't come with external things. And it's a really, that's a really fucked up (laughs) thing to realize when you have worked so hard. Cause I mean, okay. So, you know, in my trajectory, you know, when I, when we went out on the road in 2008, I, I basically, you know, I lost, I lost this partner because of, because I was chasing this dream and it was really like, Hey baby, just stick around and we're going to, I'm going to take care of us both. You know, I just need a few years to do this. I know I can do this. And, you know, and then she left, uh, she left in 08. And, and, you know, she was like, how, how, how many fucking years, Sam? Like, how many fucking years do I have to wait? And she's like, I was like, give me five years. You know, we'd already been together uh, coming up on three at that point. She was just like, nah, I can't, you know, I can't just like not see you for five years while you're on tour, you know, eight, seven, eight months out of the year. And so anyways, you know, five years later, we're making singles, which, you know, another another six, you know, six months later, we would have this big break on Letterman and, and, and gain, uh, you know, everything just kind of leveled up like three or four times in, in just a, in like a month's, a month's time. Um, and, and it was like, I could have, I, I, I could have given you the stuff that I said, you know, and and you're just yeah. like, it was, it was basically like five, five years. Um, but the thing is, like, so so I found myself at 30 years old at that point, like uh Letterman was maybe a month uh, or a couple weeks before my 30th birthday. Wow. Um and uh and you know, my goal, my goal in becoming an artist was just that I wanted to be able to support myself and make art. Like I wanted to get to a point in my life that I could. Uh, when I got off the road, I didn't have to go work construction. I didn't have to go sweep floors. You know, all, all the little things that I've done, um, and I could just make art. And uh, I had gotten to that point. I had lost this person who was extremely impactful in my life, who I love very much. And and in gaining all of you know all the success in music, I don't maybe maybe success is not the right word, but but gaining the goal that I had set out, I felt more empty like I didn't feel I didn't feel completed. I felt like I chose a path. You know, it's kind of like in, you know, in 2008 I I had two choices. I could either I could either work on this relationship that brought me a lot of love or I could go after my dream which I I knew that if I stayed in the relationship I would be resentful of this person for a long time um because I didn't chase after the dream and I knew that if I chase the dream there was a good chance I would not have this person and so so I chose a path I got to the end and it it was just like well I guess the gaping hole that I'm trying to fill is actually sorry that sounds really crude um is actually (laughs) is actually in myself you know what I mean yeah and and then it was you know like like do you regret the choice no no because I mean you can't i mean there's plenty of things i regret in my life but those those kinds of choices are i wouldn't i wouldn't have learned it's like i said if i had, i already knew the end of the other choice which is that i would not have followed i i would not have i would not have followed my own heart and that would have crushed me in time
0: but that you would knew have, that whatever choice you were going to make it was going to be successful
1: no no i did not know that i didn't you know no i didn't know i was going to be successful I, I believed in myself. I believed in my, I believed in my bandmates, and I think that if I hadn't done this, I think if I had done this by myself, I would have fucked it up. Um, you know that that relationship that I have with Garrett and William, uh, the keyboardist and the bassist in Future Islands, goes back a long time. You know, Garrett's my best friend since we were fourteen. Uh, William's like my first like best friend I made in college, and you know, I introduced those two guys within a week of meeting William, and and you know that so that relationship was something that has really pushed us through gotten us through so much. And, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, that relationship is really important um, to me, but it's also hard, you know, after all these years, you know, we're, you know, you change as a person um, your friends change. And so you have to like constantly kind of re up your friendship, even when you spend so much close time to re Introduce yourself to these people. And it's the same thing as in any long-term relationship, uh, romantic or friendship or whatever. You kind of I feel hope like, this isn't too personal of
0: a question. and but how do you make the band relationship last so long when like other relationships haven't?
1: Uh well, unfortunately, I mean, to be fair, it it is it is that a relationship that is important as a friendship, but I think we've I think we've actually come close to to stopping uh, at certain times because I felt like the band was hurting our friendship. Um, and those are the kind of ultimatums, you know, I don't, I don't really think you should make ultimatums in your relationships or friendships. But those kinds of ultimatums, I think, are really important, which is like, I don't want to be in a band with you guys if I'm not friends with you guys and I'm not saying like I want to quit because we're not friends I'm saying like <laughs> if we're not going to be friends because of this band because you know the band becomes business you know that that's the big shift that happened in uh 20 not not necessarily 2014 but maybe the end of 2015 and 2016 was that you know the band kind of got bigger than us you know this thing that we had nursed from you know uh you could say 2006 to basically 2016 like over 10 years we realized that we weren't really in control of it anymore um because you know when as things get bigger you have to start seeding responsibility to other people you need help you know (laughs) you you can't drive the big tour buses you know i can't i can't drive that motherfucker um you're not selling merch after the shows you you need people to so your crew gets bigger you're back, you know, the people that you're, you're managed, you know, you have management all of a sudden you got uh, serious label uh, people and all these people are good. They're part of your family. But, but I think when you grow a thing from the roots up and I mean, you know, and we go back to 2003 with our first band, um, you know, all that, all that work put in, and then you kind of see that it's, you're not in control. I mean, so much, so our fifth album we put out, we kind of felt completely out of control in the way that that record was, was uh, released and in a bad way. Yes. Yeah. In a bad way. And, uh, and a lot of people love that record, but I think it just is reflective of us not being connected at all. Like we wrote that song really disconnected from each other. And after that record came out, we had a big, uh, a big like sit down, like, it can't, it can't do this. I know. I'm, I mean, I was the one who was like, Hey, we have to talk like, cause I can't do this. Like <laughs> I can't not, there? uh, the talk was at the beginning of 2017. I mean, it was probably actually a couple, a couple weeks before the record came out and we already, we already realized like, Oh, we fucked up. Like we should have taken more time with this, but we just kind of like followed the business deadlines and what other people we've basically followed a lot of guidance to make, to, to release that record that, kind of it ended up just backfiring in the end and and uh, so like making the last record as long as you are was you know it's the first time that we we co-produced uh we you know there was no compromising people's positions it was just uh everybody has to be happy like like uh everybody has to be happy with these recordings before they're they're out there we have to you know come together and be to speak you know it's kind of like we really had a difficult decision to make to make um it was probably difficult for our label and our management it wasn't difficult for us you know and that's the thing is like like hey you guys we're gonna take back the reins now like you kind of you had you had your chance and we love you but we kind of got to do this we had kind of have to do this on our own or else the band is at risk because we really just felt at risk of losing uh losing everything we had worked for um and you know as long as you are is not like a record that we said this is going to this is going to catapult us to the top and these kinds of things it was a very very personal record a record that experimented uh more so than we had had in years it really harkened back to where we were in our writing processes in like 2011 um, than it did to where we were in 2014 or 2017. Like it was really us trying to go back to to like the inkwell, back to, that's a song we wrote, that's not what I'm talking about. Our internal inkwell, our like internal flame and, and trying to just like, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of just conversations, not playing music, but but, you know, trying to get back trust within each other. Because as you, because all of these things, as things get bigger, you also just have egos come into play. Um, and no matter how good you are as friends, if egos are injured, then you have to repair those relationships. And so we, we just had a lot of conversations about where we were at in our lives and, and kind of having to respect where people, where everybody was in their lives, you know, yeah. um, because you don't always understand what your friends are going through. And, you know, sometimes like we spend so much time together uh, in touring years, you know, we'll be together 200 days out of the road. And I'm not talking about, I see you, you know, at the bar or we can get a cup of coffee, 200 days out of the year. I'm talking about, we live in a, in a steel shell that's hurtling <laughs> around the world. You know, We're like on a mission, around the world together and and you know and so you kind of think you just know what everybody's going through but you don't so you stop talking so it's really like opening those conversations again and uh and you know as long as you are was really like the most we had communicated in years and i think the closest we had been in years and that that's a that's a continuing you know at this point it is a continuing uh um uh, i don't know goal or or continuing conversation Um, To just try to keep those doors open um, before they shut, because it's really easy. I mean, I'm a very as open as I am on stage. I'm very uh, I can be very I I isolate a lot um i i'm the same way it's funny i almost don't
0: want people to know me that know me to see what i do like when people come mm. up and say they've watched me i'm always like i feel like ashamed almost (laughs) because i'm doing it for me like i'm doing this as an outlet Uh, i i want to spend all my time by myself i just i have to for my mental illness get up on stage and spew my art out you know
1: yeah yeah well i mean it is uh it is it is like i said you know there's a therapy in and, you know, people are different. I mean, I I know that I know that what I do for a living is actually a symptom of my weakness as a human. It's like, but I've turned it into a strength. You know, my, my weakness is that I am very self-conscious about how people view me. Um, I, you know, I'm out for I'm out for respect and validation as a human being. But I, you know, and so I should not be on a stage, you know, I should be hiding, but the fact is I get on a stage and that's where I feel the most, uh, like, well, now I can tell you who I am like on the, on the street. I don't feel strong on the street. I feel, I feel like just self-conscious about, about how I'm viewed. But when I'm on stage, I'm like, this is who I am. And I feel so strong. Like I feel, uh, confidence in that. You know, because it's not it's not only me sharing myself in a very raw way. And, you know, because I do, you know, I'm, I'm playing with I'm playing with like gender norms on stage. You know, I'm playing with, uh, you know, what what it is to be masculine. Like what what the fuck does that mean? Um, yeah. And these things, you know, I'm I'm playing with just like that idea of of uh, what's beautiful and what's possible. Um, and, and these these things are really important to me um to to push that and make people think because because it's something that cracks people open you know when they say like well this motherfucker is he can do this he's he doing this <laughs> it, yeah. it's like what is what is my possibility for my life um and you know if you can crack people open then you can you can get them to see things in a different way you can get them to communicate in different ways you can get them to love in different ways um at, leads back to self. Um, you know, so, so I think getting up on stage, though, and, and speaking those things is really important for people. I mean, as you said, you're, you're like, illness is the reason that you have to get on stage. It's similar, yeah. like, I feel very similarly. Um, but but the hope is, is that you are, you know, you're bringing joy to people, or you're, you know, well, may, maybe, maybe your goal is to figure out who the fuck I am you know, and and I I guess maybe that is my goal a little bit, too. Um, What is possible? I think that's the
0: it's it's you talk about and like addiction at a young age. And like I went through like a bad drinking phase. And uh, it's funny when when you get up on stage and that feeling you're talking about that, like rush that like that's better than any feeling like I I think I kind of got over my uh, addiction when I realized the power of like helping people on stage like that that blackout on stage is better than any other feeling and that is kind of like the two paths you can take for your addiction like your mental health illness I could go it and I could just party and be crazy and enjoy that or I can harness it into something more positive to help other people and show that yeah, you yeah, can totally. have that mindset and push forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was talking about addiction just the other day, just like as the like little deaths, you know, <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, I, I was, I was heavily addicted to cocaine when I was, uh, in college, you know, and, Uh, I was you know I was a dealer and a fiend and uh, and I I had I had to just leave I basically had like a mental breakdown one day and just left town and um, luckily my parents were really fucking cool about it all and and helped take me in and helped me or allowed me to just kind of detox at their house and get my get my life back together Um, so that I could just take a long enough break that I could handle the the uh, pull you know the pull back but even you know like I'm a smoker for 20 plus years now. Um I tobacco still...
0: tobacco, like
1: cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm three I,
0: years I, I just smoke weed. I'm three years clean of tobacco and nicotine. Oh,
1: that's good. I sorry I just like fucking smoked a cigarette in front of you. I'm about Oh, I don't again. care. I
0: if I wasn't in my dad's, I'd be smoking a
1: joint in front of you. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah, no, but uh, but yeah, you know, because I have all kinds of addiction issues and um that's something that I'm i'm working on now uh that's funny that you talked about the grind though because i'm addicted
0: to the grind like that's a real addiction oh yeah an addiction to not stopping like not pushing people away but it's like shit i don't even want to celebrate
1: christmas because i want to go grind i want to go work. work yeah no that's a bit i mean ambition is a really that's probably one of the most toxic things in my life is uh is straight up ambition and that's like the thing that has driven me to this point in my life, my ambition has given me a lot. It has it has helped me to achieve um, successes within my art that I never really thought was possible. I mean, I guess I thought it was possible because I went for it, but at the same time, I don't I don't think I knew the shape of what that meant, you know, the shape of that outcome. But also that ambition, uh, it it takes me away from, like you said, like takes me away from my family. It takes me away from my friends it continues to ruin my relationships uh you know and and because because i don't know when to put it down you yeah. know i am constantly you know i wrote i wrote and recorded a song yesterday in this room you know what i mean like i i i have to be writing and that kind of validation isn't it's kind of like a future validation like it's more about myself like if I'm and you know maybe it comes from my parents they you know they're seventy one and still working every day you know they're working today it's about to be christmas and and they just can't stop and that kind of workaholic nature i think is a it's a really positive thing, but it's really it's something that's hard uh it can be really hard i was just you know i've been with uh been with uh a per a my my ex uh we we were together for five years and uh you know i spent a lot of time with her family and and it really showed me a very different way of life you know her family was very connected uh and and really enjoyed just like having these long dinners and these kinds of things and i mean they they also got you know they they had a good party most nights you know lots yeah. lots going around but and that's something that my family doesn't do but you know this food is more like of a function and that's kind of how I treat it but it, it made me it made me really appreciate um her her and her family made me really appreciate this this allowing yourself to enjoy uh the the kind of fruits of labor the fruits of life um in a way that was very different than then and that's something she said to me you know like I am concerned about you because you receive validation from like, if you don't write a song on a Tuesday, then your Tuesday and your Wednesday are fucked up and then you have to write again. And I'm like, that is so true. <laughs> it's true. Cause then <laughs> the what,
0: chase of happiness never allows you to sit in happiness.
1: No. And, and it's kind of the same thing. Like, I think we, I think we uh, have, I have trouble sitting within my anxiety you know, it's I horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I need. I need to. That's something I'm working on, which is I don't know if I'm working on it yet, but it's something I'm meditating on or thinking about a, a lot. Is like, how do I, how do I allow a negative feeling to to feel a negative feeling, and then not immediately just like smoke a cigarette, go to the bar, pick up my phone, and scroll social media, order a fucking extra large pepperoni pizza. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like How do how do I just take like accept the feeling and sit in it but it's the same thing with happiness you know like happiness is terrifying because you're afraid when the happiness is going to go you know sadness is almost i've i've, I've had a long-standing conversation with my friend uh an artist dan deacon uh, who's a baltimore musician an old friend and you know we years ago we we're just getting in an argument he said you know happiness is a stronger feeling and i said and, you know, and I'm like, no, no, sadness is a stronger feeling. I'm just kind of going into it. And, and he was I was like, happiness is fleeting and sadness lasts forever. <laughs> but but he's like, yeah, but wouldn't you rather be happy? And I'm like, yeah, good fucking luck. What's that like? You know, just kind of like this going back and forth. You know, he's like, even if it's for a moment. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess you do get snatches. But it's kind of like, why does it have to? I don't know why and, and i'm like why am i 23 fighting f- that battle for h- sadness You know, like, yeah what kind of sick fuck artist am i that i'm like nah man keep it sad it's gotta but be it sad but it feels so real like right? i understand well, yeah, that because
0: it's like i don't feel happiness much so it's funny when like someone described it as being the eye of the storm like success is being in like the eye of the storm where it's like everyone else gets to enjoy it more than you because like any big milestone I hit or whatever, like you described it before about like, I don't know how you feel about like the Letterman thing or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, but what's the next thing? Like people might be enjoying that forever. But for me, it's like, all right, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? I need to keep going. That's the addiction to the like grind and the hustle that will never bring happiness, but bring success.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, like, future islands is like, we're a career band now. Like I, I can, I made a living through Corona, not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like just from just those, those royalty checks that have built up over years. That is a really great place to be. That is like the place you want to be, which is like, I can now support my, my life with, you know, this kind of passive income through, through all the hard work, you know, Almost twenty years of working, and now, in this time where I should be uh, in a really bad place, I'm able to get by. Uh, and and you know, that because I always say like there's no pension for aging rock stars. there's no like, you know, there's no like yeah. social security retirement plan for, you know, you got drunk every night um, for twenty years. Uh, you know, so so you, you know, it was kind of it was a comforting moment. But that grind, you know, it was something that it actually helped me a few years ago because uh, what I think it was Paul McCartney did he did a song with Kanye West maybe yeah mm-hmm. how long ago was that four or five years maybe five six yeah years. like five five six years ago maybe and well the whole thing was is it was a big deal because the internet was like like it was trending on Twitter like who the fuck is Paul McCartney and then I was like. <laughs> Well, shit, like, what the fuck am I trying to do? I'm trying to be like Voltaire or some shit. I'm like, want to, you know, like, how, (laughs) who the fuck is going to remember me? And if like, Paul, no, people don't even know who the fuck Paul McCartney is. Like, you know, it's just like, like what are my chances being remembered? So like this kind of ambition and grind to be like, I want to, you know, I want to be remembered as this great performer and this great writer. And then it's just like, pff, okay, I think I can, I think you need to relax, bro. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> well, that's... I, think you're, I think your young Beatles days are past. I don't think you're going <laughs> to, I don't think you're going to capture that one there, bro. Let it be.
0: Well, then how did you feel about having like a song blow up on TikTok or something? You know, like, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty wild because that is a totally different that is how it happens today like that probably opened you up to a completely different audience than like ever
1: before and opened up longevity well the tiktok thing is weird because we actually had two i've got two connections to viral tiktok hits because future islands did a remix for fantagram in i don't know 2013 or 14 that then went viral on TikTok uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago. Oh, and now, really? you know, yeah, yeah. It's and the song is awesome. But the funny thing is, I didn't do any I didn't do anything on that song. That's all that's all Garrett and uh Garrett and William. I think Garrett pretty much remixed the track and then William added bass. Um, and I didn't do anything on it. Just he basically just took the vocal, uh Sarah Bartell's vocals and uh and and flipped it. And it's really dope. But so that that song is now a crazy song but but we don't get any royalties from it because it's a remix so we're just like, damn it and then the the other track was that uh the bad vano, bad not good one yeah bro. the vano 3000 flip of of uh time move slow with bad bad not good um and and that that's kind of a funny one too because i don't really know you know i i, I don't know how much it's done uh, <laughs> as far as getting people's attention onto me because they're just like who is it What's what's a Samuel T. Herring? Uh, what the fuck is that? Because I mean, it's just me like running away. It's easy. It's just like super hot, like that was crazy. Up. How perfect you just did the sped up version of that. I know. I should make my own version and get to like, collect all the checks. <laughs> that's so. But funny. Uh, that that's kind of yeah. That's how I like meet children now. Like if, if I have to hang out with like a friend's like teenager, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's me running away. Is <laughs> easy. You're it's like so- what? <laughs> But no, it is like those those things are funny, but I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the real future island song to to go viral so we can uh we can cut a check or something but no i I don't know i mean that's that's like a whole i'm not really cat- i'm not really keeping up with what you're supposed to do anymore and yeah. I, I I don't have the I don't have the grind to do that so i'm a really I'm pretty focused you know the last few years have actually been really good for me um and even what i'm going through now i think i'm dealing with in a very very positive way instead of uh the way i would have uh, 5 10 15 years ago because because the last couple years i got i was able to get really grounded and that's probably part of big part of that is just age and learning um what what you're capable of what you're allowed to do i mean like i was saying with the uh with our 2017 record it wasn't just you know when you take everybody's advice to do a thing you're also you're doing a little bit more in ways that you wouldn't normally promote a record uh doing other certain types of press or just like lookbook shit and fucking press photos that i hate because it's just not representative of like who we are as a band um i still hate taking press photos (laughs) but if you live if you live in a social media world it's like bands don't even put out music they just put out press photos like every day yeah and i i I, sometimes i think to myself you know i'll i'll be going through moments of self-doubt and be like you know maybe i should just you know go to la and just put in you know five or six uh, years of work and you know get on everybody's shit
0: hey guys this episode is sponsored by the podcast woody two shoes hosted by comedian thatcher wood other than being a really good friend thatcher is one of the funniest comedians and podcasters i know uh, Woody Two Shoes is available on all podcast platforms. It's a comedic podcast where he interviews a different interesting person it, each week, and they get into a bunch of different topics. Uh, you should subscribe to his YouTube channel, too. At 100 subscribers, he's given away merch. At 500 subscribers, he's given away a PS5. That's right. Yeah. A PS five. So make sure you go subscribe to Woody two shoes on YouTube and uh, follow Thatcher on Instagram at wood two shoes. Two is in the number wood two shoes on Instagram. Let's get back into it.
1: I can pretty much do whatever as a writer, as a singer. Um, it's one of my strengths uh, that I, I can pretty much be cross genre. Um. Well, 2017
0: is right when you started to like pick up rapping in the public eye, I feel like, or started to venture into the like public rap world because 2019 is when your album came out. But yeah, working with like Bad Bad Not Good and like Bus Driver and shout out all of Ruby Yacht because
1: yeah, hell yeah. Have you, have you had Rory on here? Have you had no, Red I Rory? haven't. I've seen
0: him perform okay. so many times. I'd love to talk to him because I'm from Massachusetts yeah, and I know he's up in Maine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, he's out in Nashville now. But he's, just, he's a brilliant character. I mean, really, uh, he is probably the reason I started writing again um, because, of, because of all the work that Future Islands did grinding from 2008 to 2012. I kind of just, I kind of put down my rap pen um, and didn't really write in that time period. And then at the end of 2012, we got off the road and I split up with uh, a girl that I was writing with at the time and I really wanted to write something. But the whole thing was, you know, we'd been on the road for five years straight. We were all completely exhausted, just like uh, pretty much burnt out completely. And uh, and. I was asking the guys, you know, can we go in the studio and write some music? And they're just like, dude, fuck off. Like, I'm so tired. Like, I need it's to work the addiction to the grind. Yeah, yeah they're, they're both just like, I kind of need to go work on my relationship that I've been neglecting for years now. And uh, and I'm just like, well, I don't have one. So come on. like, I need to talk about it. So basically, the guys were just like, dude, you need to. And this this is old me. I used to be like this all the time. Just like, I need music. Give me music and and uh the guys were just like dude you gotta figure some other shit out because we have to take a break so i i, I just actually started pulling up i pulling up uh instrumentals on because i'd also kind of uh wasn't like i i'd left my i used to be a crazy freestyle mc you know coming out of high school into college um and do you know i used to do battles and shit and uh I didn't win any, but I got close a couple of times <laughs> I won some battles i didn't I won no wars I never won an award for uh i never i never got first prize at any of these battles, but I got respect and um and so I just started pulling up instrumentals um and it was actually the captain murphy that uh it was a flying lotus project um and he put out yeah I love yeah he'd part. put out the captain Murphy instrumentals and I just started writing and I wrote this song called Macalicious that was. It's never been released. I've, I've performed it live a couple of times, but it's all about it was all about Homegirl and and me trying to get back like, like, where the fuck did my Mac go? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm I'm single again. And uh, but yeah, that kind of like had it made me start writing and thinking about that in that world. But not I, I, I did a couple shows around that time. Um, you know, I just wrote up like six, seven songs using stolen beats off the Internet. Um, and then. And then sometime around 2014, after Letterman, uh, Rory, uh, Rap Ferrara hit me up a, a, on, through Twitter about doing a track. Oh, really? He reached out to you. Yeah, he reached out and was like, hey, I'm like, like you guys are dope. I'm a big fan. Sam, I've, I've heard that you rap and I'd love to get you on this track with my buddy Kenny Siegel. Um, this is how me and Kenny met. Um, and it was for Souvenir on So the Flies Don't Come. Oh, um, wow. The Milo Records uh, from, yeah, probably that year, 2014, 2015. So that was and your first rap track, like, out in the universe? Uh, Kind of. Kind, no, I mean, I guess I did a thing. I did a thing with this uh, Australian rap group called Curse of Dialect, who I was a big fan of back in uh, back in high school, high school into college. They were a mush records group, which was a great underground label. Um. That kind of worked with. They had a weird. They were kind of in between the project blow camp and the and the anti con camp of the late two thousands. Yeah. Anyways, Curse of Dialect. I met them in. I met one of the guys in Australia on tour, and we just. Or actually, it happened because I shouted them out on a on the radio in Australia, probably around twenty twelve, and this guy contacted me like yo, what's up, man? Like, you know us? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, I fucking, I love you guys. And then, so we, I did I did a thing with them, a song called Twisted Strangers, which is just like a really wild-ass, ridiculous verse that I wrote, kind of just like a wild style. Um, Twisted but the thing Strangers? With, yeah, yeah, that's a song right, called I'm Twisted gonna Strangers. I'm going have to check that out. I, don't, right? I haven't it's, heard that. It's pretty bizarre and absurd, but that that group is amazing. They're like this multicultural hip-hop crew from Australia, which Australia is... It can. It's very, it's very, I don't want to say, any, I don't want to get canceled in Australia. Yeah, they I have actually a, have surprisingly a lot of Australian listeners, so <laughs> watch I'll, out. Australia, Australia <laughs> has some, I mean, well, what the fuck am I talking about? America has racism problems. Australia yeah. has racism problems. And I think that crew is all built around, you know, we are, you know, one guy is uh, like Macedonian, one guy is Pakistani, one Guys, you know, Maori and, and, uh, all these and, and like Aborigine. And, and so it's, it's just a crew of guys that feel that aren't just like, uh, white Australian guys, you know, but have that, that mixed identity. Um, and we're really going hard on, on, uh, you know, those ideas of, of, uh, colonialism and like what, what it was about, really like teaching lessons. So, anyways, but also they're fucking wild as shit on stage. And, and we had them open for us in like 2015. and. Uh, my buddy Adam was just like, basically painted his body green, uh, completely. And then would get naked on stage and, and like future Allen's fans are just like, what the fuck? And we course <laughs> like, we're like backstage, like dying. <laughs> like these motherfuckers are getting a show. <laughs> is- this is amazing. And, uh, so, uh, but <laughs> they're amazing. So anyways, um, shit. What, what was the train I was on? Oh, oh yeah. We we're talking
0: so- about Milo introduce you to Kenny
1: yeah so anyway, so rory hits me up and it's like you know I'd love to get you on this track and and uh you know i i this was just like a twitter message request or something or maybe i can't remember how it happened because he, he went and he was in our inbox but i guess you have to follow each other so he reached out maybe through a message and then i checked out his work and was like yo this kid is on some shit like what what is his deal like this is beautiful insane That's strange so, poetry so Yeah, because yeah. at that point it was like toothpaste suburb was his most uh recent work which is a beautiful record so i like follow him back and then he's like you want to jump on this and i was like sure like hit me with the beat here's my email and i listened to it you know and it was it was the full beat um with with uh rose told verse and then just the open space on the back end and listening to it i was just like I wrote him back like, man, I can't do this. Like, this isn't really my style. Like, it's a little too, it just was too slow for me. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. But I was just like, I don't know if I can make this work for my style. Um, Because I, because, you know, I think being self-conscious too about your rap, if you're just like, well, if I just rap fast, it'll sound good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can tongue twist and then I just sound like I'm good at this. Um, I don't have to, you know, put in crazy work because I was I was still just kind of getting my pen, my pen game back up again. So anyway, so I write I write row and say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, man, I appreciate you reaching out. This beat is beautiful. Like your verse is crazy. And I just don't think I can follow it. And and this motherfucker wrote me back and said, oh, it's all good, man. I just thought like, you know, I, I listened to your shit and I just thought like you were a real writer and oh, you can f- handle it but it's all good and i was like what the fuck uh, <laughs> he was poking the bear <laughs> this motherfucker, yeah this motherfucker's like i just thought you were a real writer it's all good and i wrote him back like oh shit okay let me take a shot at it and then and then i think like an hour and a half later <clears throat> i sent him the demo for that for an that first half later <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i just like and you know it's it's a long verse uh and it has Ah, there's so much good in that verse. It's really, it's really. But it, but I had to go to a place. Um, I had to go to a place and kind of like understand his style. And I think even at that time, you know, this is 2014. It it kind of taught me something about uh writing in a different way. Um, because I hadn't at that point I hadn't done a ton of features. Like I do a lot of features now with within both both with Hemlock and with uh you know Samuel T. Herring. Um, as a singer and sometimes both um so it's kind of it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that was one of the first features and really when he w- when he challenged me when he got it back he was like yo this is fucking fire this is crazy <laughs> He's like shit. i told you <laughs> yeah, he was like he was like i knew you could do it but you know that that like and that that started a friendship between us um you know ruby got put out uh back at the house and of course they had the kenny siegel connection
0: yeah how did um, that album come together because honestly that album is one of my favorites
1: yeah thanks man I mean really that it, so so yeah like I said 20 uh probably mid 2014 is when I wrote the souvenir um I can't I can't remember I think I no I I recorded that up myself in Baltimore um but then maybe late 2014 I was out on the west coast and I I uh like Rory came out I, I put Rory on the guest list and he brought out uh, a bus driver and open mic Eagle and we like, and, and I was already like, well, this is so cool. You know, these are, these are guys that I've been listening to for a long time. I really love like still a huge fan of them. I meet and meet Rory for the first time. And then, uh, and then I don't think it was that time, but maybe the next time I was in LA just on a personal travel Rory was living out in Los Angeles for a short time around 24, 20- 14 and 15. And, uh, we met up and had like a freestyle writing session at his, uh, at his little spot. And then I met up with Kenny and then, uh, yeah, me and Kenny just started a friendship and then he was, you know, he hit me one day and said, Hey, I've, I'm working on some new beats and I'm wondering if you want to play with some stuff. And we wrote the first song for that album, uh, which was slabs of the sunburnt West. So, I mean, the, the beginnings of that record were late 2014 early 2015 wow so did you you ever think that you would release a rap album I mean I've been talking about it for a long time like I actually had I was really around that time I was already had basically a mixtape together I just had to record it but I also didn't really know the rules of like how you're allowed to use other I mean you're not allowed to use other artists work but just the idea of like Well, I've got to write these fifteen beat makers and see if I can get away with putting out this free thing, or like how Mm -hmm. that all works. And 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 it was just kind of—I mean, I still have—I still have this like unreleased hemlock mixtape that's just called "Work," and it's just—it's really, really, yeah, it's really just like the stuff that I that got me back up to speed, you know, after taking off. You ever think it'll see the light of day? Nah. <laughs> but i mean you can go you can go on YouTube and listen to to you can find a ton of songs of from me performing from probably yeah like 20 2012 and 2013 it was all that stuff and some of the beats I made myself like i, I experimented a little bit with with beat making that was really just like me finding uh breaks and and loops you know i wasn't i wasn't adding anything on top and i haven't I don't know. I don't play any instruments. I don't know shit about production other than working up my own voice a bit, um, recording engineering myself. Um, cause I do a lot of that myself, but, but yeah, that I think, I think it's, it's one of those things where at this point it would, some of those things might feel a little played out, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, even, even coming into hip hop, like when I was, when I was first falling in love with, uh, with hip hop and rap music, the culture of hip hop, I, you know, it was, it was De La Soul and Diggable Planets and Channel Live. And then I went back, like, I was like, I want to know how this began, you know? And so I got really into uh, Boogie Down Productions and business. you ever
0: listened to like The Last Poets or anything? Oh yeah.
1: Oh Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, cause my, you know, like I said, growing up in rural North Carolina, there's not really, there's not record stores or anything like you could maybe find something kind of cool at like a Best Buy Um, you know, like every once in a while, uh, but, but we would just, we would just pawn shop hunt, you know, and, and, uh, I, where I live here is closest to, uh, is really close to a military base and an army base. You know, the, there are ones about 10 minutes down the road. The other one's about 35 minutes down the road. So, you know, because of that, you've got a lot of, you know, young people who have disposable income buying things from all around the world and then they sell them back at a pawn shop. And so I was finding crazy stuff, you know, I was finding crazy stuff at pawn shops around here um, that, you know, that changed my life, you know, and I found, I found last poets, I found, you know, paid and fool. Uh, you know, I, I found, uh, I found all of all of Bismarck. I found Prince Paul psychoanalysis, which is like a life-changing record. Like so many things that I just found digging through, digging through, uh, crates of CDs at pawn shops and, and really like informed, informed me outside of, of, uh, of, of, of my, of my little small town. You know, this is like, this is like right when the internet is a thing that you, that you have, um, and and I didn't, I like, I didn't have the internet at my house, uh, until like three years ago <laughs> or really? the house I'm in. <laughs> yeah. My parents, my parents, like, we're just like, man, we well, don't we're really busy need it. working. We can't, we, can't uh, yeah. have, we don't need Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah. So it was always like me and my brother would come home from, from, uh, wherever we lived. Uh, and we would have to go to my parents' office to, to like check our email and stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, just like,
0: i'm losing my mind why did you why did you when you started recording rap stop performing it
1: uh well i didn't really have a i never really had a crew i mean and and that was that was the thing i was excited about uh with with uh rap ferrara just when when he reached out i was kind of like felt a certain kind of kinship um and and uh because you are ruby are you your ruby is hemlock under ruby yet? as a label it's never it's never fun if you're listening row i'm just waiting for you to i just want my like dec- secret decoder ring um <laughs> no i'm i'm still crewless like there's so many crews i want to be in but no, I, feel, well, I was
0: just out in detroit and they told me i was bruiser brigade and i was oh like, you lucky motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> <No, I, laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah no uh danny danny brown played our thousandth show um in uh, Carver, North Carolina, a few years ago, and it was like one of the coolest things. And my He's mom trying was-
0: to get into stand up now, it's funny because I was with oh, him for and Hannibal, and Hannibal is <laughs> hey rap- releasing a rap album,
1: and Danny Brown's doing stand up. <laughs> wow, that is amazing! <laughs> that is amazing. No, yeah, I mean, I've never really, you know, the whole thing was so I came to I, when I got to college, I wanted to be, I wanted to, you know, I was really focused on on art visual art was what I was studying in school uh, performance and sculpture. And, uh, and then I fell in love with making music with uh, the guys in our first band. And then the thing was like, I went to school, I wanted to be I wanted to like, keep making rap music. So I needed to find a producer. And then I met William, who was making really weird electronic music. And I was kind of like, I think I can rap over this. Like, uh, cause my style was weird enough at that time. I could just rap over anything. So it was just like, I think I can do this, but then Except for Milo's beat, <laughs> <laughs> it was too beautiful. <laughs> I needed acid. Um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, uh, I basically just fell into, into a band situation and then that just continued into future islands but also Did you think you were you know, going to be a rapper before like a musician or a oh yeah a I never I never wanted to be a singer or a front person like to me that was played out to me that was like been done you know like been done a million times um and, <laughs> I, a and million I think singers of a band <laughs> yeah there's so many singers but I mean and that's kind of that's probably a little bit of why i do it the way i do it which is to define myself and you know i do it the way i think it should be done but also it's it's for my personal style i don't think everybody should perform like me because that doesn't really make sense but but it for for what i do um it's it it has to be done that way but it, you know it takes so much more you know like my style is more james brown than it is you know yeah. Uh, like kirk cobain or something or even like brandon flowers from the killers which is maybe like more in my wheelhouse and i'm like what a bore uh he's gonna burn <laughs> me man the, the flower the flowers brigade if he's listening is coming to podcast me. i'd be very
0: surprised <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, but i mean it's just like dude if you're gonna if you if your only job is to wield a mic then you better get to work you know what i mean it's like yeah. get to work do something like create something um, so I don't know. I, I think I, I just didn't, my brother was in bands. My brother's the one that introduced me to rap music. And then, and he's, a, he's actually an insane MC, um, himself, uh, my older brother. So he kind of brought me in the world. At- um, he, he only has one record, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's still on band camp. It's from years ago, but it's called plucky Walker. Um, you can check it out. That record is really awesome. So But yeah, my brother is, he's a, he's a style, he's a style wizard is, uh, I mean, cause we both, we both loved the whole, what like the West coast brought to, to hip hop and especially like the project blowed, um, uh, crew movement that really brought style. You know, I think, I think I always thought about it, especially within the, if you talk about the nineties, uh, you know, New York always had that, that strength and cool to it and then there were motherfuckers out west that were just like you know in in the east it's like how hard are you and then in the west it was like how hard can you style yeah. and that was so cool to how me. cool you know, can you like, be while still being hard yeah 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 and it was really just like you know graffiti in words you know just like yeah. just like crazy just like how does it look like you can see the shape of words so so I I really appreciate both styles and um, both sides. And, you know, coming from North Carolina, of course, you like claim East or you claim South, but it's, you know, you're you're kind of like a bastard child uh, of of music. Um, well, Baltimore has a pr- really good rap scene right now. I mean, if you look at, oh, I don't yeah, know if for you sure. know, like j
0: Royale or Ill Conscience, but there's or you'll know never do. know
1: three really dope Baltimore rappers. Yeah. Damn. OK, I'm going to write that down. I mean, I yeah. feel so disconnected from the Baltimore scene. I've lived there for so many years, but I'm never there. <laughs> that no,
0: really, that's where my whole, my mom's side of the family is. So I have a lot of connection to Baltimore.
1: Oh, uh, okay. But, um, nice. There's some old, have... like, uh... oh, no, go ahead. No, what were you saying? Go ahead. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter ahead. what I was going to say. I was <laughs> going to say,
0: do you have plans to make another rap album?
1: Yeah, I've got two records that I'm pretty much done with. I just need to record, uh, And that's, uh, I hate sitting down to do, I love to create music. I love to write. Um, and I hate to do the work of, of recording it, but also I don't trust, I don't trust anybody else to record me. So I kind of have to do it myself. Um, even now you don't trust anybody
0: to record you.
1: Not, not with the hip hop, not with the hip hop. I have a weird, I have a weird ass pocket dude. Yeah. Yeah. I got a weird pocket and sometimes it needs a little bump. <laughs> it is like just like I'm embarrassed to be like, "Excuse me, sir, could you just move it uh like 0. 0.035 milliseconds to the right?" And then you're like, uh, yeah. "Yeah, that sounds good." That sounds good. It's just kind of embarrassing, but also, you know, just like comping comping vocals, I'm just really particular uh with with the rap stuff, so. So, but maybe I just haven't I also haven't found the right engineer. Years ago, I did I jumped in a studio session with uh Antoine and Little Ugly Mane. Um, oh, are you kidding? Little Ugly Mane <laughs> is one of my favorites. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we actually we lived next door to each other in Baltimore years ago and he and and I didn't know I knew him as a noise kid. I didn't know that he made rap music insane and insane rap music. Yeah. yeah, and then a couple years later he released the first he started releasing the first Little Ugly Mane stuff and then we reconnected um years after that and i was like man i didn't even fucking know that you rap travis like this shit's crazy and you haven't put like, any music out together well that's the thing is because they they had that whole crew that had the falling out um i'm not gonna go into some other yeah. people's shit but yeah. but that some it does exist online in like a soundcloud where where basically travis went he did a little ugly mane uh kind of live radio thing and I don't know if it's still up, but at some point I found the track we did because I did an insane verse for them because they, they hit me up and were like, yo, come kick it in the studio. And I went there as a writer. Like, I'm like, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to write some shit. And then they were just like uh, smoking tons of blunts and just kind of just kind of like bumping through beat packs. And I'm just like, these beats are insane. Could you please stop going forward? Like I'm over here trying to write. And they're like, "Oh, what? What are you writing?" And I'm like, I, "I mean, you you asked me in the studio." And they're like, "What?" So, anyways, they eventually settled on something after a couple of hours, and then I wrote something, and they're like, "You got some, Sam?" And I'm like yeah yeah i've had something for like a fucking hour motherfuckers like come on 45 beats ago i have some. yeah yeah so i got up i got up and spit this thing on the first take like i think i think i I think i kind of flattened out at the end and i was like i need to do it again but i just remember taking off the headphones and they're like what the fuck was that That show was crazy because it was a bonk it was a bonkers verse uh and then i wish i could remember it off the top of my head but um but anyways, you know, after, after that, all that stuff, just because they, they were making a record and then it all just got scrapped. And I think Travis just wanted to, to go and, you know, put it, put it out. And, and I found it just cause I was like ego surfing, the ego surfing Hemlock Ernst to just see if I could find some, some weird shit. And I found that and I was like, oh my God, it does exist. Cause I always, I was just like, when is this going to come out? Yeah. And it, and it just never happened. But the whole thing was, is I, uh, at that session, their engineer was this guy, Alexander Spit, who's a producer and MC who I really fuck with. And I just remember, you know, I I spit this verse two times in the first, you know, the first time I fucked it up at the end. And the second time was like, good enough. And then he played it back. He was like, how does it sound to you? And I'm like, what the fuck did you do? Like, this sounds absolutely perfect. And so I'm kind of also like, I probably just haven't found the right engineer. And I, I actually thought about hitting Alexander up again and just being like, yeah, Yo, what you are you talking about? I've been ahead of you. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've got you know, it's it's res- my resistance training. I'm just like putting roadblocks up for myself. But, I know, but yeah, resistant. I
0: mean, uh, you ever read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield talking about
1: resistance? No, no. But I, uh, yeah, I was talking to my friend about their therapist the other day. <laughs> Real talk. Um, but no, I, there's a chance. There's a chance I'll drop two records next year. And there's a chance that I won't drop any. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but Wouldn't I did you ever just like warm as Hemlock. Uh, if somebody pays me a lot of money, I will in a motherfucking <laughs> second. <That's, laughs> I mean, I've been offered what some I've been are offered we some
0: because I'll try to ask some friends for <laughs> some Venmo requests.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna need at least 10 money will get me out of bed, you know, to do a <laughs> solo set. Um yeah it's yeah that's that's a tricky one because because yeah i would need i would need the real dj or i need somebody to rock with me the thing is okay so the thing is like you know future islands has become it was a grind and a dream that you know between friends that then became us a a business success you know we pay people you know we you know we have you know employees that we care about and and we work also so that they can work kind of shit I never want Hemlock to be that way. You know, I already have business in my life and I already have to do certain things that I don't want to do to yeah. uh to to play into the machine of press and music. Um, you know, I'm doing this because I appreciate what you do, you know, checking out your podcast and the people that you talk to. Um, no, that and means so, a lot for you. You know, to this do is this. yeah, and this is not like. This is not part of a press machine. I have nothing to, <laughs> I have nothing to push, and that makes me happy. That makes me yeah. feel free. You feel me? Like, like I'm glad that I'm not, I'm not out here uh, trying to, yeah, just sell myself. It's really just about having a conversation, and uh, because I like that, I like to have a conversation with this. But, but yeah, I never want, I never want hemlock to be something where I have to do something I don't want to do uh, to, to try to pay pay bills or or change who I am in myself. Because I mean, literally, like, I'm just, I'm just a dude. And a lot of times, it's just what I want to be is just like, I just want to be myself and explore through my art. Um, and hopefully, it resonates with people. I mean, that's, that's, that's the key is just like, I just want to make art. And so once you get into the politics of, of selling like what you are, uh, then there's, it just closes doors, like it, it closes the ability. So as long as I'm as long as I'm not, you know, saying this is what I am and this is what I do, then I can be st- I can be like stylist and just like and for that I can kind of ch- change form, um, transform and and that's kind of like what I was talking about with like West Coast MCs back in the day, which was just like kind of being formless to be able to be whatever they want to be. That's what Future Islands used to be, um, and and I think we've we've become. I mean, we're enough of. I mean, we're basically almost a legacy act. <laughs> we're coming up. We're coming up on 20 years in a few in a couple more years and at that point to me you know we're we're just like a legacy act band and then I you think really that's see a, cool, yourself as that? a cool place to be well just in the sense of like the way festivals work and stuff like that you know what I mean like you you have all the young you have all the young uh acts that people actually care about and then you have to book a couple <laughs> you book a couple old heads for the to bring out some of the the, the older people but but I mean, you know, it's kind of, and when you get Future Islands, you don't only get a great new wave post-punk band, you also get a death metal band and that's, so we also, we we like check boxes for uh, festivals. They're like, yeah, we can just kinda, we can kinda get both with this one. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm fucking around, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with understanding that we, with that understanding of like, it's not ever gonna pop like it did in 2014. It wasn't even supposed to pop in 2014, man. Like I said, I was, I was just about to be 30 years old. Like I had given up on that idea of ever being in the spotlight and it felt good. Like I finally had shucked this idea of like, you got to make it, you got to make it, you got to make it before you're 30, you got to make it. And then I gave, I was just like, dude, we're, we're, we're eating, we're paying our rent. You know, we're doing this. I got new shoes. <laughs> like, like like I also have a new pair art. of shoes. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I don't have holes in my pants for the first time. And then we do we do that, you know, do that performance that then goes viral. And then and then there's a spotlight. I mean, it was really very surprising for us. Um did you know that it was gonna did you know like that no, to no. it or while you were doing it? No, not at all. Not at all. It was just I was really focused on not falling over and and if you if you watch that video again, check for it's about it's what's well, it's right before I sing my first lyric, um, I always keep the mic in my left hand and in my right hand I do a quick touch to my belt, to my belt buckle. And what I'm actually doing is touching the top of my zipper because I'm saying, I'm thinking in my head, oh shit, did I zip my pants off like (laughs) if you watch it again yeah just watch it watch it because it's it's just like I do a sway to the I think I do a sway to the left a sway to the right and then my hand just goes to my belt buckle as I pull the mic up and I'm like oh shit okay pull it's up and then I sing the first line I just like oh man so I was really focused on not fucking it up and I wasn't sure if I was gonna do the big growl at the end until it happened and I'm glad I did because it tore people's brains out of their heads But but the fact is, like, you know, that performance wasn't even us at our rawest. That wasn't even us like I mean, it actually probably did better because it was pulled back a little bit, you know, Um, because when
0: I saw you in Boston, you went all out. And I don't know where that is compared to other shows. I'm excited to
1: see you in Providence. Boston was Boston was a great show. Boston was an awesome show. And I did one of my best slides ever. I don't know if you caught it, but when we do long flight, I. I do this, uh, I do this dive across the stage. Well, you know, when, the, when, when it's a wooden stage and, uh, and on that tour, like I was testing every night, like, I wonder how far I'll go tonight until so you just like <laughs> take a few more steps back to, uh, to do a, a cross diagonal dive from like the back edge of the drum riser to the front, like wedge across the other side. And that yeah. night, I think I've slid like 15, 20 yards and I actually had to pull up short because that stage was so slick. I almost flew off the front, and I was so proud. I was like, so proud of myself. Um, I do remember that, but I'm happy yeah, to sh- fly on the stage. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, those those are that that show was that show was really really uh, great. Just really memorable. So yeah, that whole, tour, to that whole tour. That whole tour was great. I'm excited to see. Oh you yeah, today. damn, that's that's coming up. I hope everything goes down. Like we're supposed to do. You're going we're to supposed Europe to start right? it. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to start a European tour February 21st. And yeah, that's so two months out. I just hope everything is I don't know what's going on with this new variant and shit. Yeah, everything's up in the air, man. Everything's thank you, up in the air.
0: Thank you for your time. I don't want to take up any more of your, uh, your day, but I really
1: do appreciate you coming on and talking. It was it was a real honor. Man, it's a pleasure. It's always good to meet another Sam. I feel like I, there's always an instant kinship. Like Sam, yeah, they're just nice people. There's never like a there's never like a tough guy asshole named Sam. You can't just be like, tough named yeah. Sam, not at all. No, you no you can't.
0: can't have a good hairline. I realize that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, the truth comes out. I can't. I can. I am allowed to be mad at my parents. I know.
0: I'm my my dad is like, I'll buy you a new hairline. I was like, you never paid child support. Why is? That? <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, so. But all, all right. right, man. Well, Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. You have a good though. day. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and we'll, I'll we'll do you whole again. Yeah, yeah, we'll connect up. Like, uh, let me uh, give give me a holler, and uh, we'll grab we'll grab a beer or a cup of coffee or some shit.
0: I would love that. I would love that. Thank you very much. Awesome, and, man. Uh, have a good rest of your day.